Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I am your host, Jerry Knack, and I am here in the Ocean Shores, Washington, Get the Knack podcast studio. And I am joined by my very good friend, my old Navy buddy, my comrade in arms as dish jockeys, as it were, once upon a time. He writes for www.popmatters.com. Please welcome back to the program, Chris Ingalls. Chris, how's it going? It's going well, Jerry. How are you? I am wonderful. Happy, happy, happy man. Uh, back on the radio after 28 years. I guess, yeah. I guess it doesn't uh, doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there as long as you get there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad that you're able to get back into that. It's, it's I'm sure, kind of a, a weird adjustment, but it sounds to me like you kind of like fell right into it pretty easily, right? Yeah, you know, it's an all-volunteer station, community radio, but we're the only station in town. We're mm-hmm. FM. Um and they gave me the Saturday night seven to nine slot. I'm playing, you know, all the disc jockeys get to play what they like. Um, so we have shows tailored to our, our favorite genre. So I'm playing alternative on on Saturday night. Everything from NXS to Bronsky Beat to New Order, The Cure, uh, all that fun stuff. The Ramones, uh, you know, just you know, it's it's so funny. Our our dear friend Pat Malone listened uh, to one of the shows, and he's like, it's just like being back in Keflavik. <laughs> do you do any uh, any sports commentary or is that not no i uh, do a little bit so what i do is i always i always check the locals right what's going on uh with, with the mm-hmm. seattle mariners baseball or uh yep. the storm WNBA team and yeah i give a i give kind of like a fat update especially if there's games going on and if there's national like playoffs or championship stuff then i'll then i'll talk about that but that leads me to bring up uh, the fact that uh, sports talk rides again after 28 years also. Wow. So they asked me if, uh, you know, based on my uh, experience in professional football, if I wanted to do a sports show. And I said, absolutely. So it's a gentleman who's uh, also a volunteer disc jockey. His name's Mike Price. And uh, starting uh, a week from tomorrow on July 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific, KOSW Sports Talk premieres with me and Mike Price. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. That's uh it's that you're getting the band back together absolutely of. and uh, pat malone uh, has promised a guest appearance so uh we'll have pat uh i'm starting to line up some great guests uh you know you work in pro football for 20 years you, you meet a lot of people and i've already had uh, some folks today commit to uh to coming on the show uh in some capacity uh whether it be once or on a recurring basis so uh learned a lot of lessons when we did it back in the day when it was just mm-hmm. you know three guys talking sports and We'd have uh, some kind of guest once a month. Now we have, you know, because of uh, my contacts and people I know, I probably can have multiple guests in an hour. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, I think uh, you know there are a lot of sports fans here in the area. I think one of the things that they thirst for is talking about the local stuff. And you right. know, we've got we've got professional baseball, football, hockey, uh, soccer. We've got women's basketball, and, mm-hmm. and we've got a ton of college sports here. Right. And you know, so we're we're in the Pacific Northwest. We've got you know Washington, Washington State, Eastern Washington, Oregon's not far. Uh, nobody talks about Oregon State, um, but <laughs> it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Corvallis. I've heard bad things about Corvallis, but I haven't been there myself. Um, you know, Washington State's located in Pullman, which is about five hours from here. So there's tons of stuff to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, as we used to say, I promise that it'll be the fastest hour on radio. 
<laughs> and take take that however you want. Yeah, and the reason back then it was the fastest hour on radio because it was only fifty four minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you remember we used to have to do uh, news and weather at the top of the hour, and that was a six right. minute break. So yeah, right five five minutes and then a minute for weather. Right. 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 And you know it was a, it was Associated Press feed, so you had to take it at the top of the hour. It's not like you could get around it. Sure, sure, sure. But you know, the here's here's the thing, and this is what you'll find fascinating about the whole thing is so much has changed. Oh, there, sure. there are no more CD players. There's no turntables, no cart machines, thank God, and no reel to reel for me to bleed over. So, right. uh, you know, it's computerized system now. There's one drawback that I have figured out, and this is where I have to do a lot of show prep. Do you remember the CDs we used to get? Oh, the Century Twenty One. Yeah, whatever. Whoever was the provider, you remember? On yeah, the, yeah, those those compilations. Yeah, yeah. So you remember on the back, you'd get the the song runtime, but you'd also get the ramp. Sure. Yeah. Well, we the AFRTS, the the records had that too. Yeah, we don't have yeah. that on the computer, believe it or not. So if I want to talk over a ramp, I have to go research ahead of time how long the ramp is and write it down right. manually. So it's, it's, it's kind of as technologically advanced as we are, we're still a little backwards when it comes to how long the damn ramp is. I just play a new order song and talk for a minute and 20 seconds. It's fine. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, the, I remember the cure being notorious for having really, really long mm-hmm. ramps. That was another one, but, uh, yeah. 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 And, 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 and there's an art to like walking the ramp. It know? is. And I'm trying to relearn it. And it's uh-huh. funny. The other DJs are, they don't do it. And the first time they heard me, they were like, oh, wow, he's done this before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hired a pro. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, that was part of the reason I, uh, I ended up, uh, being able to, to get, uh, to get a slot and, uh, you know, it was prior experience. And plus, this podcast was a big help. A lot of the guys at the station listened to this, and they were like, oh, yeah, we got to get this guy. So no, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I take some time during the week. You roam, you remote in. You uh, you build your playlist. Some some people just have, like, a five, eight hour, five to eight-hour playlist and just, like, mix on the fly. I can't do that. I got to plan the whole thing out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not like it was back in the day when we put a, a stack of CDs on top of the uh, control board. And right. uh, and just load them up, and you know we don't have rats in the uh, or mice in the uh, soundproofing material <laughs> like right. we, like we did. Um, Crawl, but, crawling across your feet when you're uh, doing your show <laughs> or the board, that, you know the board. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I think it was Tina Jones had a mouse run across the board while she was on. She screamed bloody murder. It was great. <laughs> oh. Great for the ratings. Yeah. Exactly, great for the ratings. The most most listeners she ever got, right? Right, except when she hosted Swap Shop. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're in the air. Yeah, you're in the air. So <laughs> last weekend we had this thing here in Ocean Shore. It's called the uh, Sand and Sawdust Festival, and uh, so two days, Friday and Saturday, we were on the beach. Um, and since our station streams, uh, we were able, you know we had a MiFi jetpack, and we were able to stream the station live on the beach and. You know, got to meet all kinds of tourists and residents and, you know, spread the word about the station and that kind of thing. And then on Sunday, we were over in the parking lot of the convention center. Uh, Mm. As you can imagine, the beach was the sand part of the festival. And then at the convention center was the sawdust part because they had chainsaw artists like carving stuff. 
that you could buy. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff around here, like uh, like Bigfoot statues and that kind of thing. So remember where uh-huh. you are. You're in the Pacific Northwest, so right, right. Bigfoot's real here. Um, so anyway, our music was loud enough to drown out the chainsaws, and I played music for four hours straight and had a blast. So um, we played off our local computer. So I got to I got to sit there and and play music for four hours like i was a, a party dj it was great sounds great yeah it was a lot of fun um so i was you know as i often do before we uh, do one of these get the knack podcasts with me your host jerry knack and you chris ingles the guest and uh sometimes co-host um that uh, i kind of see what's happening in the world and i tripped over an item that uh distressed me but when you realize how old the guy was you can't really be distressed on one hand we're celebrating mel brooks's 96th birthday and oh. and one of the better character actors who who at least has been in some things that we've seen uh passed away a few days ago on june 27th uh that's joe turkle and if people don't know who joe turkle is he was lloyd the bartender in stephen king's the shining and he was also Dr. Eldon Tyrell in Blade Runner in 1982, opposite, um, probably more opposite Rutger Hauer in that film. Not so much. Well, there were some scenes with Harrison Ford, uh, but also batshit crazy uh, Sean Young as well. So, yes. um, so anyway, uh, the guy, uh, the guy has was in uh, Stanley Kubrick films, Ridley Scott films. He was on an episode of. Uh, uh, Adam 12. I mean, the guy was all over the place. He was in Bonanza, uh, Andy Griffith show. Um, he was on the TV series. Uh, the untouchables had some roles on that. Um, wow. yeah, but, uh, but it was, the um, the, uh, you know, the, we were talking about it earlier and you, and you can speak to it cause I haven't seen it, but the, the first Stanley Kubrick directed film, the killing. Yeah, the killing man, and that was you know like, yeah, like you said, we were talking about that just before we went on the air, and and um, the killing is is such a great movie, and it's it's um it's basically a, it's a heist movie, and I think it's about a heist that uh, is planned and takes place at an airport, and it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, one of the things that is sort of um, uh, worth mentioning about this film is that Quentin Tarantino loved the film and um, was inspired by it to do uh, reservoir dogs so there's that but um really good movie and uh really kind of ahead of its time i think it was uh late 50s i think i want to say it was like 1956 56 yeah but definitely worth checking out um you know i'm I'm a huge kubrick fan but uh so i'm kind of biased but but it is a really really impressive movie but yeah uh, i i need to see that one it sounds like it smacks of film noir as well and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we know what a big fan of film noir that I am. Oh, yeah, there's a lot, definitely a noir uh, edge to it, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, and of course, uh, we had the um, the film Dr. Sleep come out not that long ago, where it was really uh-huh. interesting to see who who played uh, Turkle's uh, Lloyd, the bartender character in that film. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's... Um, Stephen King is never really far from our conversations and mm-hmm. um, it, it just, I, I can't, it can't explain it. We always seem to either start with it, come back to it, um, weaves, weaves his way into, uh, into, into what we're doing. And yeah. I don't, 
I can't, I have no explanation for it other than the fact that I am a fan. So yeah. uh, recently I stopped into Harbor Books in Hoquiam, Washington, which is a couple doors down from Eargasm Records where I, I scored you uh Oh, the Zappa box set, yeah. The Zappa box set. Um, The proprietor of which says he's the grandson of Elvis Presley, but I don't think they consulted him on on this new film (laughs) that just came out. Just That's a hunch on on my part. Right, Uh, right. Right. So... Um, but, uh, Henry Thomas plays, uh, plays the bartender and, you know, he was Elliot and E.T. So it's kind of, sure, sure. kind of interesting. The, the circles, all of these folks traveling, but, um, but yeah, so with, uh, with Stephen King, uh, Joe Hill, his son, his film, uh, the black phone just came out and I haven't seen it yet. Um, our little theater here in ocean shores is is milking all the money they can out of Top Gun right now. Mm, sure. Um, and I do think we, we are the Top Gun demographic here, a lot of retired military and, and that kind of thing. So, okay, yeah. Um, you know, so um, de- let's put it this way. Downton Abbey, the new one, uh, didn't um, didn't stick around for very long. <laughs> uh, so Didn't set that place on fire, exactly. No, no, it's Lightyear, Jurassic, whatever, Jurassic Park 42, and, and, yeah. then, and then Pop Gun. Um, is is still playing. So I'm waiting for the black phone. I might, you know, if I want to see it without seeing streaming, I might have to, you know, take a drive and go see it. But anyway, mm. um, so we're finally starting to see some art for Salem's Lot, which I'm yeah. I'm so interested in this. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, going back to the beginning with Stephen King and reading, uh, you know, from scratch and and almost binging him all the way up till now. Um, you know, I hop around with him, but I, I never read Carrie before. I just finished right. it this week. I know you read it not that long ago. So yeah, a couple of years ago. So yeah, we can, we can hop into that before we dive into, uh, some other books and, uh, TV and movie adaptations that are, uh, that are coming up or, or just hit. Um, yeah. I found the book really interesting. The backstory is he wrote it, he threw it away or threw it in a drawer. His wife dug it out. Next thing you know, he's getting $400,000 for the mass market paperback rights and he quits his job. And this is the thing that says, I can be a full-time novelist. Right. And, right. and the rest is history, as, as they say. So yeah. what were the, when you read it, what were your impressions of the book? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting in that the fact that it's, um, you know, it's the first, it was his first, you know, actual published, uh, work under his name. And, and, um, you definitely, one of the things that I took away from it is that a lot of like early books or first books by established authors are are very kind of clunky. I didn't really get that with this book. I thought that it started really, I thought it was a very strong book. I liked the fact that it was not a very, um, you know, not a terribly long book. I mean, he's written plenty of doorstops and this was a pretty modest book lengthwise. So it was really easy to get into because I found this story very compelling and it was also very sort of compact. So I got a lot of enjoyment out of it and I definitely saw, you know, his, his style is all over the book. So it's almost like he started off with this very particular style right from the, from the beginning. And like I said, I didn't feel that it was a story that was, clunky because it was an early you know it was it was him as an early early author um i found it i found it very entertaining and 
you know, a little bit campy, sure, but um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked it, and um, I don't know what took me so long to read it. I mean, I've been a, I've been reading his books at a pretty steady clip for you know, I don't know, fifteen years at least, and I just got around to this like two years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, you know, the clunky for me comes in the attempted literary devices. There, mm-hmm. there are some asides, there's some internal dialogue or internal thoughts that yeah. that seem to be shoehorned in. So I think he was experimenting a little bit there. But, yeah, yeah. But me being a fan of, of let's just say, Dracula, right? Um, yeah. Not that he used that, uh, you know, to copy from or um, uh, inspiration, because we know he did that for Salem's Lot. But what I liked right. was there were survivors of that night that wrote books. And yeah. right, so there's excerpts from those books. There were there was a commission uh, that came along to study the phenomenon of what happened that night uh, at the prom, and yeah. there's excerpts from that. So I thought that yeah. was an interesting way to break up the narrative. I uh, did like that, yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I liked was so a lot of times when I read a book after I've seen the movie, the book goes very fast for me because I know the story. Yeah. And what I liked about that, you could see where Brian De Palma diverges from the book. And it's not a bad thing. What De Palma right. does with the source material, he makes it kind of more of a chronological, straight line, linear narrative. There's a mm. little bit of hopping around kind of for Carrie at the end of the story in the book. And then mm. the movie, it's, it's this straight line to the finish. And right. I, uh, I enjoyed that as well. And, uh, you know, I liked the backstory, knowing that Carrie was exhibiting these symptoms of telekinesis at age three. We don't know that, yeah. in, you know. And there's more to the mother's backstory and her, her extreme rel- religiosity. And, yeah. you know, more, more about how Carrie came into the world. And that there had right. been a miscarriage before that. And so... I thought all of that, and again, like you said, it's uh, it's not a thick book, right? So there's no. all these little details without bloating the story. Yeah, it's a very lean story. There's not a lot That's of like extraneous stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 you know, I mean, like I said, he's written uh, uh, several books that are very very long, and I don't necessarily think that they suffered from that. I think that it at 1,100 pages was was a really good read and didn't really veer too much off course. Now, um, I haven't read a whole lot of his extremely long books, so I can't speak to whether or not like insomnia rambles or under the dome. These are books that I've attempted, but have yet to read all the way through. So I don't know if, if, you know, I don't know if it is sort of like an outlier, but it is still my favorite Stephen King book. And what I love about it is the fact that it is this big, huge, enormous book that never seems to drag. You know what I mean? And, and, and I, and I think the, that. Yeah, and I think the timeline, the way it's done, switching back and forth yeah. between the kids and the adults. It breaks it up nicely, yeah. Yes, it's what keeps it moving. Um, yeah. So there was a point to go into Harbor Books, right? It's funny you mentioned that it is your is your favorite. So yeah. I had picked up Night Shift when we were in the Navy. And yeah. it was one of those things where it was on a table somewhere. It was, you know, we're in a TV lounge and somebody left it behind. I picked it up and read it, right? And I liked uh-huh. it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I really get into Stephen King. I was into Dean Koontz more at the time and, and maybe even a little Anne Rice. And then in the 90s, 
I really jumped in on on Stephen King. I read Gerald's Game, Needful Things, and then I read The Dark Half. And The Dark Half has always been my favorite Stephen King book. And going to Harbor Books, now the last time I went on a book crawl, shockingly enough, I didn't buy anything. And that is rare for me because I always want to support, right? So if I go to an indie store, I'm always, I'm going to buy something. Well, I didn't buy anything because I'm like, I have so many books on my TBR. I don't, nothing's flying off the shelf at me. So I found at Harbor Books, first edition copy of the dark half in hardback for 12 bucks. So I don't know whatever happened to my copy. And I'd only read it once, and I, the, the movie's the movie's not bad. Timothy Hutton's pretty good in it, um, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, it has definitely grown on me. I, I you know, I read it. Um, I've seen the movie adaptations. Obviously, uh, I, I was taken with it. You know, I wrote a lengthy blog about it. Um, so I really enjoy that. That's the longest one of his I've read. Needful Things is pretty thick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this. And, and I didn't care for the movie too much because I thought they changed way too much. Ed Harris is pretty good in it. Um, you have Bonnie Bedelia, which is interesting that she's been in two Stephen King adaptations now. She was also in Salem's Lot, the uh, the miniseries with uh, David Soule playing uh, the girlfriend Susan. And then she's okay. also um, Polly in Needful Things. So... But, uh, but yeah, I was thrilled to find this copy of the book because, you know, my, my copy was lost to the sands of time a long time ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, next in, in, you know, after Carrie is Salem's Lot. And I read it about, I don't know, five years ago, probably for the second time. And mm-hmm. it has one of the most gut-wrenching deaths in any fiction I've ever read. Uh-huh. And, and I'll, probably, I'll probably read that again. I tell you, and, and even our friend Terry Welch commented when I posted about this. You want an entertaining read, and I just got my second uh, book by this gentleman, uh, Grady Hendrix. He wrote Mm -hmm. um, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And I thought it was an absolutely spectacular book. I read it in one sitting. It's over 400 pages. Um, Mm -hmm. I just got um, The Final Girl Support Group. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to diving into that at some point. And obviously you saw that I got uh, The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Yeah. I've yeah. been wanting yeah. to read Tremblay for years. He's a Bram Stoker Award winner. Um, mm-hmm. And this one's supposed to be really, really good. So It is good. Yeah. Yeah. I read it, uh, oh God, it was like right before the pandemic. So it was like two and a half years ago. And it's a, it's like a home invasion story. Um, and uh, I'd never read any Tremblay before. And I, th- I thought it was really good. I thought it was very compelling um, really well written and it, uh, yeah, it, it's, I'm interested to hear your thoughts once you, once you finish it, but I liked it. Yeah. That I think great. it might be the next thing I read. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't seem terribly long either. So, um, but yeah, I got that and I also have got skeleton crew from, uh, Stephen King for my birthday. And the funny thing about that is I know I've read parts of it before. And is it a short story collection or yes. is it a full story? No, it, it is. is. Okay. Yes. It's the one that has the mist in it. And oh, right, right, right. It has the mist, it has um, uh, word processor of the gods, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, you know, that period of stories. And I know I either read them in other collections or there's a few in here I know I've read before. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and, it, you know, there are people out in the world that don't like Stephen King for whatever reason because maybe it's popcorn, popcorn pulp. Um, yeah. You know, but I, you know, we've talked about it a hundred times. I, I, I like reading Stephen King. The only thing is, 
you know, as much as I purposely don't read Joe Hill, I think I've read Joe Hill in Stephen yeah. King's work. You know, I think there's some measure of uh, ghostwriting going on. Yeah, I, I read um, I read two Joe Hill books, and uh, I read Horns, which I thought was really good. I saw the film. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I thought it was a really good book. It was kind of an interesting take on on the genre, and I read. Um, Heart shaped box, which I liked, but I didn't love. Um, I think he's, I think he's a good writer. I think that there's, yeah, I did. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree unless, uh, you know, King is, is the actual tree, uh, in this case, but we don't know, but you know, yeah, I definitely, there's a lot of similarities. He definitely feels like he is, you know, his father's son. Um, and I'm, you know, I probably will read something else by him at some point. He's read, he's written a few books, right? He's written several. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote Nosferatu, which was turned into a, a two season series that, that died in season two. And, you know, the, the thing that got me about that is, and maybe I'll read the book cause I want to see how it ends. I bailed on season two, not because of the story. It was because the acting turned sour. Oh, and, wow. You okay. Know, you know, the, the young lady who played Vic McQueen was brilliant in season one and just went off the rails in season two and hmm. and zachary quinto plays plays the the bad guy um you know uh, charlie manx in in uh in this series and, he, and he's fantastic i love i love him as an actor and it just i don't know uh i stopped watching it in the middle of season two and then they canceled it and i'm like okay well that justified my decision then um so <laughs> you know so i was gonna you know there's lots lots going on in the world and in pop culture and, and that kind of thing to talk about. One of the things um, that uh, is, you know, and I, I don't like this. I've never liked this. When we were kids and we used to watch, I know you, you spent part of your childhood uh, abroad, but, um, you know, you had at the, the end of like 13 weeks or whatever, a TV show would go on hiatus and then they do reruns or whatever. And they'd come back after the first of the year. They, they used to make this big deal out of out of the television season starting in September. The new fall lineup. Yep, right. They even did it with the damn cartoons. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now, and and the first thing I saw this with was The Walking Dead. And I, I didn't care for it then. I don't care for it now. You have the, the mid-season finale. And then they come yeah. back after a few months or whatever it is. And they've done it with Stranger Things. They're doing it with Better Call Saul. Yep. Um, Stranger Things dropped today and it broke Netflix apparently from what I heard. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I turned it on this afternoon and I, and I, I'd be done with it if, uh, we weren't out running errands all afternoon, um, to get Angie's car fixed, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, so Stranger Things, as much as I've enjoyed it, this last season that they're doing season four, could you cram any more fucking seventies and eighties, horror references and music references into this damn show. Yeah. Yeah. It's they're definitely, it's definitely a, a nostalgia trip. And it's forced now when it, when they did it yeah. originally, it was part of the fabric of it. And now it's, Oh, we've got our Freddy Krueger moment. Then there's been aliens moments. There's, yeah. um, you know, part of the, the new, you know, chapter two or whatever this is, um, is a master of puppets Metallica video. It, it's uh, it's yeah. any anything you can jam in from the eighties. They're jamming it in, and it's it's mm. not it's not subtle. It's not woven in. It's it's in your face. And you know, I think I think part of the reason you know 
80s nostalgia works is because we can go back to it when we choose to, not that it's shoved in our face. Yeah, yeah. I also think that um, we there was this there was a string of shows that was around over the last like five ten years that that did a really good job of representing the era and doing it in a really tasteful sort of natural way. And uh, I think the Americans is a great example of that. It's a great sort of like. 80s Cold War espionage type show. And then uh, Halt and Catch Fire, which is a show that I absolutely loved about the sort of like computer, home computer boom. And they did that so well. And I, you know, I watched, I watched the first season of Stranger Things and I thought it was spectacular. I really, really enjoyed it. And I just kind of lost interest after that because I feel like it was a show, it wasn't really doing it for me. And I think that, you know, what you said sort of, um, uh, it reinforces what I had suspected in the fact that it's it's trying too hard to sort of like it knows its audience. It knows that it has an audience that is sort of like really feeds off of this sort of 80s pop culture stuff. And it's just like going overboard with it because he knows that it, they know that people will eat it up. And, you know, that sounds like a show that's sort of like falling victim to its own hype. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a shame though, because like I said, I loved the first season. I couldn't get enough of it. And I just, I just haven't, I haven't watched it regularly since then. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's like soured your overall take on the show, but what you feel is happening right now, but, um, I'm kind of glad that I'm not really watching it. Cause it sounds to me like I, I don't think I would really, I still don't feel like I would really like anything after season one. Well, they've made this season, you know, the villain. Oh, that's the other thing. The, the Clive Barker Hellraiser influence on this. Um, mm-hmm. People forget that that was supposed to be called sadomasochist from hell and not Hellraiser. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Very much so. You, you know, if you know you're Clive Barker, you know Clive doesn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> just, you know, we're going to do what we want. Um and, and be who we are. Um, yeah, it's it, this current iteration is, is better than seasons two and three. And there was part of, of season three that I, you know, that you really, you got into because, you know, everybody's all, yeah, is Jim Hopper dead? Well, they left it wide open and we all knew he wasn't dead. So, um, mm-hmm. You know, I recommend you go back and watch it. I binged the whole thing before this this latest <coughs> season dropped to catch up and re uh, uh, familiarize myself with it. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, pro- I enjoyed seasons two and three probably better than I did the first time I watched them. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, and so one of the things that I've found, and you know, we've talked about this uh, several times, is that uh, you know we we want Mind Hunter to come back and it's it's finally looking like uh, we're gonna get a third season of Mind Hunter. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, and we're also gonna get another season of uh, True Detective, which uh, that makes me happy. And because uh, one of the things that and I don't watch them, I used to watch a lot of Law and Order back in the day, but I, I really don't watch American police procedurals. It's the European stuff you gotta watch. This stuff mm. is fantastic. There's a show out of Norway called Wisting that's really good. There's two seasons of it on, on uh, I think it's on Prime. Uh, never mind the Carrie Ann Moss uh, guest appearance. Um, and then there's a, a German one called Pagan Peak that I just watched. The one season of it is available. These these things are fantastic, and, and they do their detective shows. Even the, the English ones are so much better than American cop shows, mm. you know, because... 
they're not driven by you know the Tom Selleck's of the world. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't they don't appeal to a certain demographic. They tell a, a compelling story, and that that was the thing about Stranger Things. I got into an argument with somebody on on Facebook. I didn't even know what group I was in, because um, you know I always get into arguments with people on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, this is '80s nostalgia. This is what it's supposed to be." I'm like, "No, it's supposed to be a compelling story set in the '80s." Right, the, the the nostalgia is just there. The setting is just there. Oh no, this is what it's supposed to be. I'm like, you're an idiot, then. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. you don't know compelling storytelling. If you want, to, you know, God, I'll I can recommend about twelve John Hughes movies. You should go watch that if you want to live in the eighties. Um, yeah. You know, it, it. I don't know that kind of thing. Kind of thing bothers me. But you know, when you look at it, you know. Um, if you're looking for stuff to watch and you like police stuff, like detective shows, especially when you, you know, me and, and flawed detectives, I love flawed detective shows. Um, there's some really, really good ones out there and uh, very dark and twisted and, you know, obviously don't stick by the same rules as American network television. So, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of people celebrate, so we were talking a lot about books, a lot of people celebrating the, uh, and I didn't know this is how you pronounce it. Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. So be calling it Gillian all these years. Yes, and I'm a fan. I but I had no idea. You know, I've read most of her stuff. I've never read Gone Girl because I've seen the movie and I feel like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know how that story goes and, and the book could bother me. But they put out a whole lot of shoulder content and uh, a new new edition of the book with um, with extra extra stuff that wasn't in the original. So maybe I'll have to read it. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I really like her stuff. I read Sharp Objects. I read Dark Places, and seen the movie and the TV adaptations of of those. And uh, but the one thing I'm really, really looking forward to, like I mentioned, is Salem's Lot. Yeah. And you know, we had the the '79 miniseries with David Soul, who mm-hmm. I bemoaned was miscast. But I watched it again recently. It holds up pretty well. Uh, the late great Fred Ward's in it. Um, yep. yeah, or Fred Willard, excuse me, not Fred Ward. Fred, Fred Ward just yeah, died yeah. recently, too. Fred Ward just died. Yes. Yeah, we're losing yeah. all of our Freds. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, Fred Willard, excuse me, um, he was in it. And uh, George DeZunda, who was in uh, uh, Law and Order, he's, he's in it as well. Yeah, um, first season of Law and Order. Yep, and Juliette Lewis's father's in it. So, uh, if right. you didn't know that. Um, and he's, he's fantastic in it. And, uh, you know... I'm really interested to see a big screen adaptation of that novel. And, you know, again, like I said, I read it again about five years ago. I was quite taken with it. Um, I think the thing that Stephen King does better than anybody I've ever read, he gets you to care about a lot of fucking characters. Yeah. And then he kills them. <laughs> yeah. And they're, and they're flawed characters too, which I think is kind of, you know, always interesting. Um, uh, 100%. Right there's that yeah. that morally ambiguous character, right? We're all yeah. we're all in that gray area, right? And mm-hmm. and there's several of those those characters in Salem's Lot, and same with same with Needful Things, right? There's there's a similar tack there. He introduces you to a lot of people, gets you to care care about them, and then you know sets them all loose against each other. And Salem's Lot was his answer to Dracula, and. You know, again, the miniseries holds up. Now, Return to Salem's Lot, I hear, I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, I, You know what? I watched like the first five minutes of it and turned it off. 
That's how bad it was. Oh. Yeah. It, right. So <laughs> it, high praise. Oh God, it was bad. Um, and I'm watching stuff like Planet of the Vampires and Queen of Blood, yeah. all this bad 1960s sci-fi, and watching it all the way through. I'm watching all the Roger Corman, uh, Edgar Allan Poe films with Vincent Price, <laughs> and watching them all the way through. Five minutes of, of Return to Salem's Lot, and I'm done with it. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it was bad, and it's like it's like watching Fright Night 2, which I lasted right. five minutes the last time I tried to watch that tripe. You know, and, oh man! But you know what I found is is a lot of stuff is, and and this is I, I've got a I've got a segue here. Wait for it. Um, okay. A lot of things are are better remembered than experienced again, right? So right. there's there's a lot. You know, I love schlock horror, but there's so much of it. If you watch it today through today's lens, you're like, this is really bad. Why did I ever like this? And I watched In the Mouth of Madness recently, and uh, with uh, with Sam Neill, right. and and oh my gosh, what a bad movie this is! And you know, I mean, it has its moments. There's a few decent parts, but speaking of things that are are better remembered than than experienced today, and I just I, I just learned this, and I wish I I hadn't learned it. Radio Shack is now rebooted as a cryptocurrency company. I heard about that, yeah. I, I wanted to shotgun my computer when I read this. Yeah. I, You know, I have very fond memories of buying spools of speaker wire at Radio Shack. Yeah, same here. Uh, you know, or any other electronic thingamabob you needed, and apparently whoever's running their Twitter account doesn't give a shit. They're, you know, yeah, doing I all heard that. about that. Yeah, and I am not a bit. I am not a proponent of crypto. I think it's funny that it crashed recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hilarious that most of it crashed recently. I, you know, I don't get it. I don't. Unless you're the currency of the realm, you are nothing but a tradable stock that people can buy things with. Yep. I don't get it. I don't understand. But here is here is it. You know, and and people on Twitter are like calling those of us who are nostalgic for Radio Shack boomers, even though we're we're definitely Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, you know that we're old because we have this fondness for Radio Shack. But I tell you what, for what they used to sell and the prices they used to sell it for, you couldn't beat it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what my uh, like standard purchases were at Radio Shack. I mean, I don't, I don't know, probably, uh, like, like you, like, like things like speaker wire and stuff like that. I mean, it was a, and the thing is, is that they were all over the place. I mean, it was a national company. And, um, and I think that, you know, what's sad is that, um, they used to sell, <clears throat> they sold stereo equipment, right? I mean, they sold, oh, do yeah. they sell actual, yeah. Yeah, and, they and had the their own brand. That, Remember the realistic brand. Realistic, yeah, yeah. I mean, not exactly top of the line, but it, it did the trick, you know. Yeah. And I think that places like that, in general, not just Radio Shack, but you know, places like, um, um, oh God, I'm trying to think of stuff that's not regional, because there's like Boston-based stuff, like Cambridge Sound Works. Well, there was there was Circuit City. There was Circuit City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that stuff is just not really in business anymore because people aren't really buying stereo equipment anymore. You know, I mean, I was putting together a, a, a you know, a stereo with, with various components and it, it took me forever to, 
put the whole thing together because it's like you go to Best Buy and they don't really sell that stuff anymore. They don't sell receivers or uh, standalone speakers or stuff like that because people, you know, it's it's reserved for like audiophiles now. Right. Whereas, you know, I mean, you you and I probably grew up in a house where there was a stereo in the living room. Absolutely. You know, or, and it's just not it's just not something that people are really unfortunately they don't care so much for sonic fidelity where you can like turn on a stereo and you get big speakers and stuff like that people are just like you know everything's on on your phone you know or, or through a bluetooth or something or like alexa that. i mean we have or alexa yeah yeah we have alexa in numerous rooms now we have a couple of those devices that actually put out some decent sound sure right sure. you know and there's some of those alexa devices that that sound really tinny and they're terrible but we've got a couple that have some good speakers. I, I wonder what my father would have thought because, yeah, we used to have a stereo rack system in the living room with a turntable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and all the all the stuff. And you know, Dad was an audiophile, and you know, I have some decent Polk speakers attached to my system here. My in the Get the Knack podcast studio, and yeah. you know, I like to hear all of it. I like to hear the highs, the lows, the bass, the mid range, mm-hmm. the you yeah. know, you name it. Um, you know, especially you. You had men. You had mentioned you. You listened to like uh, some Boz Skaggs not that long ago, and you were listening to like Lido Shuffle, and you're like, man, I forgot how good of a song this is. It's and, a great song. Yeah, and you listen to it, and you hear all the different parts, but you can't yeah. hear all that if you're not listening to it on a on a good system, right? Yeah, and, right, right. You know, and you and I as disc jockeys sitting in a in a studio with uh, soundproof uh, material and awesome monitor speakers. Right, so we're mm-hmm. we're you know part of our DJ experience was experiencing the music we were playing, right. and you know so I get it exactly what you're talking about, and you know if I can I, I do I often wonder what my father would have thought if he could have just spoke into the air what he wanted to listen to. <laughs> yeah, what is this sorcery? Right, exactly. Right, it's the work of gypsies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean because I have all his vinyl. Right. And so he used to listen to a lot of vinyl, but then he, he got a lot of stuff on CD. I've got 45s. I've got all this yep. stuff. And um, my working CD player in my rack system is actually a DVD player. It's sure. Just, it's the yeah. same technology. It's, it's you know, not going to play it any different than a, a CD player would. But I, I find it really interesting. And, you know, there is, I, I will speak stuff into the air and the stupid thing will play it for me. And, you know, I just wonder what my father would have thought of that. Because, you know, his knowledge of music was voluminous. It's like yours, right? Yeah. You know, I've got, you know, everything from the doors to Rachmaninoff in my collection. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I'll ever get out the Rachmaninoff album. But, you know, I've gotten out the Peggy Lee. I own Deja Vu on vinyl by Crosby, Stills, and Nash and a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so there's some some good stuff I have. And I'll I'll get it out and drop it on the platter. And I know you just got a new turntable not that long ago. But like you said, right, you you order a lot of stuff on Amazon, but you better know what you're looking for. This is not for the novice anymore. Right, exactly. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that's what, so the turntable that I got, I got it, so it's this local company that I knew about that I just ordered it online. Um, tape deck I got, a nice Onkyo tape deck I got at a garage sale about 15 years ago. And my receiver, I think I got it on Amazon, but I got it online, definitely. It's a TIAC, it's a nice system. My 
speakers are Bose speakers that are uh, I got in 1996 at the NAX in Naples, Italy. And, you know, they're war horses. And I think they're starting to show a little bit of sonic wear, but they're still playable. And um, yeah, I mean, that was the beauty of being able to go pick up different components from different places as opposed to getting like a glorified boombox. I mean, actually right. being able to kind of like customize your setup there's it's it's almost like there's an art to it and you can still do it it's just it's harder to do it now because you can't just walk into a department store and get all that stuff you know what you, i mean it's 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 harder you know what works believe it or not is go on a facebook marketplace sometime sure and you, you know you're not getting new stuff but you know if, if you're interested in that kind of stuff with that that high fidelity that really really kicks and sounds good and has a lot of power that's where you're gonna find it i mean i think even that extends to like car stereos and i know sure. you know you know these places still exist or these, these, you know, pioneer and all that blau punk, they all exist, but you know what? Car manufacturers have made these in dash stereos so good that you don't have to replace it. Right. And you can't, even if you want to, because they're sort of like molded in. It's not like, I mean, how do you take out a stereo system in a car these days? You probably can't. But no, it's know. all part of some entertainment system. It's got the the GPS map. You know, I've got Apple CarPlay in, in mine. You know, and and right, speak, same here. Yeah. yeah. So, and and speaking of that kind of thing, it was so funny. So Angie's working uh, at the uh, the local casino. She's she's working in a gift shop, and um, so some guy broke into her car, stole a bag out of the, the back seat. It was totally worthless, nothing of, of value or import. And uh, so uh, she informed security. Now, you got to imagine a casino with security cameras everywhere. Sure. And I, I say that very still. Oh, you got stilted. a friend. You got a friend there in the studio. Um, she's she's in the house. Uh, that's that's Misty. Um, Misty thinks she's some kind of guard dog, and she's not really. Um, she just likes to bark. Um, but yeah, and and so, um, deputy comes to the house. Uh, Angie had prepared a statement, and so I'm walking him back to his cruiser, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, we already got suspect." Like, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, we got him on video. He went went from getting a brand new player's card to smashing your wife's car's window. Um, <clears throat> you see, he had to give his name, address, and all his particulars. The personally identifiable information is the parlance. And, uh, yeah, they uh-huh. were, he was on his way to go visit him after he visited us um, and basically said uh, he's going to go to jail over nothing. So, so the problem is the inconvenience, right? Right. Because, okay, so Geico needs to update their authorized places. They're going to send you to get shit fixed because, first of all, don't believe Safe Light when they say we'll come to you because I know where they won't come, fucking Ocean Shores. No. Um, and But half the places on there, one place was like the phone was out of order. The other place was like, oh, we don't do glass at all, any kind. Oh, great. Why are you on this list? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you got to take it to Aberdeen for crying out loud, which is 30, 40 minutes away, you know, um, hometown of one Kurt Cobain. Um, right. And, you know, again, you have to go by Eargasm Records and Elvis's grandson. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just the inconvenience. For for two, two minutes of chicanery, I got to, you know, we... I don't know how many, but two hours of driving today 
for this. Right. And yes. you know how much it's freaking cost me as much in gas as it did to fucking deductible. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mister Flowers Junior. <laughs> God, asshole. Freaking dumbest criminal in the history. It's like the guy who robs a bank but gives his ID. You know, right? It's exactly. Like, eh, yeah. Stupid idiot. But anyway, so as far as books go, we're talking heavily about books. What are you reading right now? Uh, you know, I actually have, uh, uh, about a week ago, I started, a, it's funny, I've been reading this really slowly because it's a book that's only about 230 pages long and I've been reading it for like a week, but I think I'm probably going to finish it tomorrow. Um, this is, um, a book that I just kind of stumbled upon, uh, without knowing anything about it. It's called leave the world behind by a guy named Ruman Alam. And, um, it's a novel. And really interesting story. It's about this uh, family that lives in Queens, and they spend they go to an Air, uh, Airbnb on Long Island to spend a week there, and um, they lose all their internet, and they find out they don't have internet access, but they feel that they are hearing rumors that their the East Coast is 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 blacked out, and then the owners of the Airbnb. Um, come back to the house because they live in Manhattan and it's blacked out and they're basically waiting it out in this big house. And there's a lot of uncertainty and it's, it, there's a little bit of like a Stephen King vibe to it, I think. And what's interesting is that the family is sort of white middle class. The couple who owns the Airbnb are black sort of like upper class. And so there's all these conversations about like race and stuff like that. And, and they kind of, it's almost like it's, it, it would be a really good play, you know, cause mm. it, they, they're, they're all kind of set in this house. And um, like I said, there's a bit of a Stephen King vibe, maybe even a bit of a Dean Coons vibe. It's got that sort of like mildly apocalyptic horror to it. And I didn't know anything about this book and I kind of stumbled upon it. I'm in this Facebook group in my hometown where people post like books that they're getting rid of like anybody want this book and it's sort of like a book swap type thing mm. and i just picked this book up because it's weird but i don't know if this ever happens to you but i saw the cover and the cover looked kind of cool and i'm like yeah you know who knows it's free <laughs> you know i and have so that I with a lisa and- unger book and okay. it's called under my skin but it was the cover that got my attention yeah, I mean, you know, that's they they get paid to to make them look compelling. I mean, you know, you can't blame them. But um, this is a really good book, and like I said, it's a bit of horror, it's a bit of sort of apocalypse uh, ish, you know. But it also feels like it's very almost like claustrophobic because it's you know the main characters are just these six people. Um, so I'm enjoying that quite a lot. Uh, um, have not been doing very well overall with the books this year. Uh, Me have, have hit a bit of a slump. I know you were started really like last year. You, you were, or was it last year or the year before? The year before you read, like, 30 50, some books. Was, yeah. It was a lot. You're, you're, well, it was, it's a pandemic thing, you know, yes. I mean, you know, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, but um I've got some, you know, stuff on the to read shelf. I've been trying to, um, I honestly don't know what I'm going to read next. Uh, I might, I might do another King book. It's been a while. I think the last one that I read was Carrie and that was like two years ago. So maybe I'll try to, I started the outsider about a year ago and I thought it was really good, but for some reason I, for some reason I abandoned it, but I definitely want to get back into it because what I did, what I did read was really good. It was, it's, it seemed pretty intense. You know, you know, the funny thing about that is, because we've talked about this before, we talked about Michelle McNamara's uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, mm-hmm. and that's a true crime book, but it's written as a fiction thriller. Yeah, exactly. And I thought The Outsider 
was brilliant, and I read them right around the same time, was brilliant in that it was written like a true crime book. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so around that same time, I had read Mr. Mercedes, and the series is streaming on Peacock, and <laughs> fucking commercials, I swear to God, I no wonder why I didn't finish the first season the first time. So I went right. back recently and watched it again and got all the way through it. Brendan Gleeson is brilliant as uh, Bill Hodges, the uh, the detective in it. And uh, but uh, I need to I need to read the other two books before I go back and watch any more of the the series because it's they do all three books as individual seasons. But you got to read The Outsider. I think I think some of the other stuff. I think you'd really like the the hard case crime ones if you haven't read them. Yeah, um, I think I would too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first one, Colorado Kid, isn't that great? It's it's almost like a primer. It's almost a primer for Stephen King's Maine, right? Oh, okay. So it's almost like required reading. It's almost like a homework assignment. But then when you get to Joyland and you get to later, oh my gosh, later is fantastic. And I read that in a single sitting. Um, and uh, but the Outsider is really good. Uh, Billy Summers is really good. The Overlook yeah, Hotel makes yeah, yeah it makes a, a cameo appearance, but it's it's definitely not horror or supernatural. Um, it's just a really really good story. I really enjoyed that one. Um, I got more out of Sleeping Beauties than I thought I was going to get. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of you know this this whole going back to the beginning thing, um, you know, just to see hey, the evolution of his writing. Um, I have, you know, some Peter Straub I want to read. I've got, I, I, you tried this a couple of years ago and I need to do it myself. And I have a Jennifer Egan book I haven't read yet. She has a new one out. Um, I sent you Manhattan Beach. Uh, yes. And you sent me Goon Squad. Um, yeah. So we have our own book swap going. Um, we do. Yes. And uh, so I, she has a new one out. I, I need to get into that. Um, but I need to read more, more female writers i it's yeah you know james patterson stuck his foot in it the other day talking about how oh yeah 50 year old white guys aren't getting book deals the fuck they're not right 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 um before we move on to another topic i don't know if you noticed or not and if you didn't you are sleeping under a rock i have a new book out yes the dark dawn as it were and you know what you are partially responsible for this book How's that? You wanted Detective Jonas Dietrich's backstory. Yes, I did. That's right. You sure did. And I, you know, I kind of was was leaning that way and thinking about that, you know, uh, before you you mentioned it. But you, you you bringing it up solidified that it needed to be written. Uh, set in 1943, San Francisco. It's all about how Detective Jonas Dietrich runs into vampires for the first time. Right. Yep. That's great. Yeah, and uh, you need a copy, and you need to read it. It's very. Sh- it's not very long. It's it's got like carry length, so you. Oh good. well, that's yeah yeah yeah. You be, I'm usually in the sixty five thousand word range anyway. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but I went the self publishing route. I republished the entire series, so the entire Dark Passage series is out there. Uh, designed the covers myself, um, published them myself, and off we go. That's fantastic. 
I'm trying to do something here, Chris. <laughs> you know, the DJ gig doesn't pay. So, uh, you know, I've got a short story up on Patreon right now um, called uh, Point of Contact. That uh, was actually uh, inspired by a, th- a storyline on the old television show, if you remember, The Waltons. Sure, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, last year I had a, a short story published in a magazine called Prehistoric Magazine. So I'm trying to do some things. I got, you know, I, I'm going to start my next novel project here really, really soon. Um, but one of the things that we always talk about, we always talk about music, I always talk about reviews you're writing. One of the things about getting back into the radio booth and, and hosting a music show again and getting to know my fellow disc jockeys. And it really doesn't matter the genre of music. These guys host shows. They volunteer to host shows because they love music. It's been really, really cathartic to be around guys who love music. Yeah. And I might not like their genre. I might not like their, you know, but, um, we listen to each other um, for all kinds of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. To, to listen yep. to each other's flow, to listen to what we're talking about, how we intro songs, that kind of thing. Um, and it was really interesting last weekend at the festival I was talking about to, to meet a bunch of folks um, and, and be around folks who love music as much as I do. You know, it's great to talk to you once a month about these things because I know, yep. you know music and, is one of the things you and I have in common. Um, you know, but to be able to play Bronsky beat and new order and, you know, uh, the Smiths and all these different groups and, you know, it's just, it, it, that's my time machine. Right. But, 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 you know, I'm also playing some newer stuff and, you know, if it fits the alternative uh, vibe and groove, um, but it's really, really neat to be back in that and, and, you know. I already I didn't need to reignite my love for music, but it just, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, uh, yeah, I could, I could see, I could see how that would be, you know, kind of a sort of a nostalgic thing, but it's also something that's entertaining. I mean, you know, and, and, and I think that if you can sort of um, pair up, you know, your love for a certain era that, that brings you back and also mix it in with new stuff. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the perfect thing. Um, because, you know, contrary to what a lot of old farts say, there's plenty of great music out there. It's just, you know, it's harder to find it now because it's not like you can necessarily turn on the radio. There's a lot more to it than that. And there's a lot more avenues and it's almost overwhelming. I mean, I find it overwhelming, but, um, and I understand the fact that I'm never going to be able to listen to every single thing that's out there that I like, just like, I'm resigned to the fact that I will probably not read every single book that's in my house right now. You know. Yeah, um, I've got about 250 of them, and I keep adding to the collection. I'm getting to that. Well, that's point. the thing. I I, <laughs> I keep buying things, and I get stuff on my shelf that I haven't touched. But you know, I think right. that's a I think it's a common problem. Right, but at the same time, you know, I go out the one time and don't buy anything, and I'm like, what do I have? I want to read something different, and I pull that Grady Hendrix off the shelf, and I yeah. couldn't put it down. So yeah. it justified the purchase, right? It's like I started reading it about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, and I'm up until 2.30 in the morning reading this thing. And I couldn't And this stop. is Grady Hendrix, you said? Yeah. And was it was it Terry Welch you said that was the Yeah, he's author? like, oh, yeah, Grady Hendrix is a, is a fun author to read. And, you know, um, yeah, it was freaking fantastic. You know, it's, it's funny I wanted to mention this because I've done some measure of ghostwriting myself. All these people you see 
go on CBS this morning or whatever the hell they're calling it this week or Good Morning America or whatever. I wrote a book. The fuck you did. You didn't <laughs> write shit. There's a ghostwriter involved in your memoir, Lizzo, or whoever the hell. I, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I'm sure Dolly Parton had everything to do with this book she wrote with James Patterson. But I'm sorry. I don't envision any of them sitting down at a computer and typing anything. Yeah, and, well, and, you know, yeah. CBS mornings, you know, they always have somebody on uh, who's under that Simon & Schuster label. And, uh, you know, you just, I look at it and go, the more I know about the publishing business, the more I know, you didn't write shit. You dictated it. Or, you know, there's a transcript somewhere of an interview. Um, right, exactly. Right. I, think that's, I think that's what the case is most of the time is that they're interviewed. Right, right. Because so it's their I, words, technically, but yeah. Yeah, because I always like it when the interviewer always catches them. Well, you remember in chapter 32, you wrote blah, 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 and then just this blank stare. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't remember the exact words. But anyway, um, so mu again, music, right? So I've been trying to play all kinds of stuff from the late 70s all the way into the 2000s, right? So I'm playing like Paramore and, you know, I played something by Icona Pop recently, um, mm -hmm. you know, in, in trying to uh, introduce folks like we did 28 years ago. To music they might not be familiar with. I have to remember, not everybody has Sirius XM and first wave in the car like I do, right? Mm -hmm. So not everybody, and Sirius XM is playing the same shit on rotation like you wouldn't believe. The only person doing an original show is fucking Billy Idol. Um, oh. but, but it was kind of funny. One of my fellow DJs was like, thank you for introducing me to the Donnas of all huh. groups. I played right. uh, Who Invited You on my first show, and he was, like, quite taken with them. And I'm like, you know how, you know how I discovered them? It was on a video game. <laughs> it was a baseball video game back in the early 2000s. And uh, the whole story is Maya Ford, who's the bass player. She's out of Oakland, California. Um, they wanted her to be the lead guitarist, and she couldn't learn the damn chords. So they made her the bass player. Um, <laughs> but... I have this thing for 90s and 2000s girl power pop. I was into Veruca Salt. Um, I was into Letters uh, Letters from Cleo. All those groups, you know, that kind of came out of that grunge era. Yeah, sure. But it was all that female power pop. And, uh, you know, to be able to introduce people to that kind of music and and uh, remind people of stuff that, that they might have forgotten about. And I think, you know, for me, it's uh, I did a theme show. Um, it was kind of neat. The first hour was like all school related stuff. Okay. Cause, cause school had just let out for the summer. Yeah. And right. The second right. hour was all groups I'd seen in concert. Oh, oh. I didn't get it. So did, did you open with some Judas priest? <laughs> I would have, if it would have fit the damn genre. Yeah. Um, no, but there was midnight oil. There was B 52s. There was go go's. There was new order echo and the bunny man. Um, dead milkmen. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was fun. You know, I did an hour of each one night and, and had a blast doing it. I didn't get around to Bjork though. And I, uh, I had it in the playlist, but I ran out of time. Okay. And, uh, you know, after Terry Welch and I saw Bjork live in Iceland and, uh, she did the whole show in Icelandic. So, you know, but, uh, that's cool. As you do. Uh, as you do. As you do. 
But uh, but yeah, what's happening in the music world? What's going on? I know it's like <laughs> concert season. Everybody's uh, you know, yeah. oh, I was gonna tell you, uh, Peter Hook and the Lights coming up to Seattle in September. They're gonna do the Showbox, and tickets are only like thirty five dollars a head. I might have to go to that one. I've never seen. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I haven't seen Peter Hook live since nineteen eighty seven when he was still with New Order. So yeah, so what's oh, wow. happening? What's happening? Uh, <clears throat> uh, let me see. I I like the throat uh, clearing before you get into your bag there. That's great. Well, you know, uh, got to project. <laughs> I was um, so I just I just wrote a review of an album that came out last week by this band out of New York that I'm really into called Field Guides, and it's um they're kind of like um, alternative, but sort of like almost kind of emo y um the it's their third album it's called ginkgo g-i-n-k-g-o and uh, i wrote that review a couple days ago and that's probably gonna get published next week um one of the things that i'm really um excited about is i'm doing another kind of retrospective piece i am writing an article uh writing a piece on um one of my favorite uh, Elvis Costello albums called Imperial Bedroom, which came out in 1982. So it's a, it's like a 40th anniversary piece. So I'm really kind of excited about that. And um, let's see what other things, uh, what's coming up? What is coming up? I actually have not been writing much lately because I've been so busy with work. It's like my day job. And, um, but uh, I am uh, trying to think of some stuff that's coming out. Oh, a new Jack White album is going to be coming out. He Ooh. actually did, well, he actually did an album. He he wrote. He made an album in April, um, and he has another one coming out. I think in, this month in July, and uh, really looking forward to that. He's been on fire lately. I think you know. To be honest with you, a lot of really good stuff recently, and um, uh, got the new album a couple uh, days ago by this band called Destroyer, which I think you would really like because they have kind of bit of sort of like an 80s alternative feel to them and they're one of these bands where it's like every album that they make the genre is a little bit different um the first album of theirs that i ever heard was called kaput and it's kind of like a sort of like a low-key almost like a roxy music kind of feel to wow. it and then uh this album that just came out i forget the name of it it's called i think labyrinth and it's a little bit more harder edged um but i really respect the fact that they kind of like every time out out you know every time that they make a new album they're like oh we're gonna do it in this kind of genre so that's definitely um and they're they're you know they're out i think they're touring right now um and uh, speaking of roxy music they're back i don't know if you heard about this or not no they're touring like well all the original members except for brian eno who didn't want anything to do with it um that's kind of i don't know well, i mean he's still I, running around with his 18 year old wife or whatever <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, he decided to sit this one out. Well, he's one of these people where he was like in the original incarnation of the band for like their first two albums, and he's like, "Fuck this, I'm going to be a producer," and then that's like all he's done lately, which is great. But it's like it's like David kind of Byrne not wanting to ever reconstitute, you know, talking heads. Yeah, talking well, heads. I mean, yeah. and I and I and I get that. I mean, I think that he's done a lot of really wonderful stuff since he left, and he's just he he's one of those people. It's just like I just want to move forward, and that's great, you know, and and um. But I saw. Yeah, uh, I, I read an interview with with Amy Lee of Evanescence one time, and they, the interviewer was like, "So, you gonna do any solo projects?" She's like, "It's my fucking band. I do what I want." <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah, you know, good point. It's not like they hired her to be the lead singer. No, it's her band. I'll do what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, she yeah. hires and well, fires with impunity. So, right. Exactly. I don't. But, under, um, I don't understand. You know, people who 
you know, rock journalists who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something about the fact that, like, are you going to record anything under your own name? But, I mean, it's like, what would the difference be? I mean, it's basically the same music. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like the Pretenders. I mean, the Pretenders are basically Chrissy Hine now at this point. It's just like, right. you know. Exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, so it's just like, you know, are you going to make a new solo album? Yeah, I've been pretty much doing them the whole this whole time. <laughs> you just right. haven't been paying attention. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's <clears> funny. <throat> uh, you know, a lot of times on CBS Sunday Morning, they, they interview uh, – you know, mus- musicians and, and sure. whatnot. And um, they did Toto last weekend, and it was really, really interesting. They actually interviewed Rosanna Arquette about the song Rosanna, and it was right. it was fascinating just to hear her, her perspective because she was dating, you know, somebody other than the lead singer in the band, and then the song comes out, and it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, she was just, like, taken aback by it, and she said she was really shy at the time, and... It was a fascinating interview, and um, you know, every once in a while they'll they'll do that. Then they'll recycle the the Peggy Lee story like they did this past week. So, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because in the now post COVID era, a lot of music festivals are coming back, a lot of concerts are coming back. Um, you know, uh, Angie keeps giving me a hard time because the Circle Jerks are in concert tomorrow night in Seattle, and I like. I heard talking. they were touring, yeah. yeah. And I like talking about the Circle Jerks, and she's like, "It's awful." Like that's the <laughs> name of the band. What do you want me to do? You didn't name them. I no, I did not. No, I didn't. But you always wait till I play Detachable Penis by King Missile. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, it's got such an amazing drum track. I wonder if you could play it. Um, probably not. Probably not. Um, your pork chop days are long gone. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's the COVID boys. When's uh, COVID boys next album coming out? That's what uh, we're hopefully hopefully we're retiring that band until we get until we test positive again, which hopefully <laughs> will never happen again. And next it'll be monkeypox. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? You drinking anything good? Uh, I was I had a I had a couple of beers when everybody was over at the house, so I started early, and oh, so now I've been I'm just, pregaming now, all day. Are you kidding? Yeah. Well, now I'm just now I'm just on uh, on. I well, to be, gotta be honest with you. I I had to I hate to be a buzzkill, but it was um uh over the weekend. Um, I got this really bad. Um, okay, talk about showing our age here. I woke up in the middle of the night with this really bad, like acid reflux attack. And I don't know if you've, you're familiar with this, but it's like every once in a great while, I'm talking like once a year, this happens where I will wake up in the middle of the night, like gasping. And the reason that happened was because I had just, it was the day after that wedding that I went to and um, we were in hanging, hanging out in the hotel had a couple of beers, had like a shot of bourbon and some and, and like pigged out on some food that they had. And right after that, I went to bed. Well, that's kind of a stupid thing to do because you've got all this stuff in your system and you're about to lie down for like. So I woke up and I'm just like, you know, rookie. Was, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's part rookie, part age. But um, yes, so I've been kind of like. I can't like drink something right before I go to bed. That's just probably gonna, you know. So I, so I, I started early, and uh, and uh, you know, I'm just being a boring old water drinker right now. But uh, well, hopefully, you had something good earlier. I'm having something called Darkling by Revision Brewing Company. It's an imperial stout. It's a ten point ten point two percent. And uh, yeah, All I right. actually found a liquor store over in Hoquiam where you can get 
uh, four pack of pint cans of that stuff. So, um, nice. yeah, cause over at our, uh, our local brew pub here, ocean pours, you can only get it in single pints, not in a four pack. And when you, when you do that, you kind of pick and choose. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, had, I had something last weekend called fatality. I, I gotta, I gotta say this about the craft beer industry. You want to talk mm-hmm. about some creative names for some shit. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh my and the God. design, the design. I love, I'm a big yeah. sucker for cool, like can design. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned that my father loved to connect, uh, collect beer cans when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the hell ever happened to his beer can collection. It got left behind, I guess. in the in the Stephen King attic of the house. Um, right. and, uh, we went, he, we used to go driving all over upstate New York and we used to go to these little, little, you know, general stores or mom and pop shops, five and dime, whatever. And the only one I remember, he bought a can of old frothing slosh, stale, pale ale. It's <laughs> it a mouthful. It's the greatest beer can ever. And, uh, but yeah, um, it, it's funny. It took uh, it took a year for for me to start going to the local uh, tap room, and uh, they they've always got some great stuff. Um, and you know, when you can get fifteen percent or higher on tap, you're in good shape. So did that for my birthday. Went and uh, went went over there and had a couple of pops with uh, friends of ours. And so, you know, I've joined the fifty three club, my friend. Yeah, you and me both. Right. I um, and and by the way, how cool is it that there is a liquor store in Ocean Shores called Ocean Pours? Right. I mean, it's a fantastic tap room. It really is. They got a, oh, it's a tap room. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And uh, Ocean Pours and Ocean Shores, and uh, yeah, it's really, really good stuff. And uh, the owner's usually on site. Um, they got a little uh, beer garden outside. Uh, beer tent. Uh, so if you want to sit outside or sit in a tent, or you can sit inside the tap room. Um, excellent, excellent beer. And uh, but yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, they talk about the Pacific Northwest as as being this big thing when it comes to craft beer, but the problem here is it's hard getting things in pint cans. Everything's in a twelve ounce. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, like I said, I had something called Fatality. Uh, the other thing is, um, our liquor store here in town, you can get Black is Beautiful. And I don't know if you know this or not, they make an IPA. Oh, well, there you go. I'm sold. Yep. They just came out, as far as I know, they just came out with it. You can get the stout, and then there's this other stuff we can get here. This is fantastic. It's less than $7 for a six-pack of pint cans. It's called Pub Beer. Okay. So it's better than your Coors, your Bud Light, or Bud, or right, any right. Of that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's it's like six fifty for a six pack of pint cans, which is perfect for after you cut the grass. Yeah. Right. That sure. kind. Of, it's that kind of beer, right? So or during. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I don't want to become an amputee. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to watch yourself, but I mean, uh, yeah, certainly makes it more fun. I saw my I first bald eagle last weekend. The fuck out of here, seriously? They sure did. Yeah, yeah. on the beach, no less. And then I Are said something. Really? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm into it now. I, I said something to my fellow disc jockeys. They're like, you don't go to the beach enough. 
Like, okay. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Why, the, why they're all over the place up there? I, yeah. Um, we've got, I mean, you've seen the pictures. A deer in the yard on a regular basis. We have, um, so the, the route that I, I walk for exercise, uh, somebody's ring camera picked up a bear the other night. Oh, right we have coyotes apparently raccoons i've seen um the slugs are epic you wouldn't believe the damn slugs and then half the time i fall asleep to frog sex so you know as you do uh, as you do i'm out in the fucking weeds if um if it wasn't on the beach this would be out in the country it's only yeah. 6700 people live here so the it's the rural beach Yes, very much so. Uh, the high school is considered uh, fringe rural. I, I think fringe, <laughs> fringe, <laughs> you know, and I'm the resident beatnik. I, you know, whatever. But, uh, hey, you know, someone's going to do it. Somebody has to be the resident beatnik, right? And, uh, yeah, there was a, I, I let the beard go and we were at the Irish pub up the street and Angie took a picture of me and it's like, so I don't know who said it. You did. Terry Welch. Somebody did. Oh, look, it's an Irish poet. Like <laughs> That wasn't me, but that's uh, funny. <laughs> it was funny, and it was half true. <laughs> I think it's the Irish, right? It's right, the writer right. part, right? But, yeah. So it, it, it was funny. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting living here because uh, I thought we were in the weeds in Tracy, California. Because we had turkey vultures and snakes and spiders and all this other stuff. We didn't have these land predators like we got here. Right. Yeah. But the the deer, I'll never get tired of the deer. I will never. I mean, right now we have fawns all over the place. We have young bucks that still have velvet on the antlers. Um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the things my, my fellow jocks and I were saying the other day, and actually we had a meeting today, we're the only game in town. We're the only radio right. station here. So right. we are part and parcel of the Ocean Shores experience. Only problem That's is... That's fantastic. It, it is. It, it really is. It's kind of, Seriously, when, when Pat Malone said, it's just like listening, you know, being back in Kef, he's not wrong. One of the reasons I wanted to volunteer at this station is it's just like it was. You have, you have blues. You have classic rock. You have country. You have people playing all different genres, genres of music throughout the day. And then you got um, my guy, Greg, who's playing, uh, you know, whatever he wants on Friday night. Uh, he goes by the name of Shipwreck, and he's got Wilson the Volleyball with him as, as his co-host. <laughs> Does Wilson say anything? Wilson's the brains of the operation. Are you kidding? Oh, man. Ouch. We had okay. Wilson at the festival, and people were freaking taking pictures with it. Sure. Right? So, as you do, as you do. So, it, it's it's this you know really interesting experience living here, and you know I never leave the damn house, but now that I'm starting to get out and about, you know it's it, it is it, to live in a beach community, it, and yeah, it's a tourist attraction and a bit of a tourist trap, but it's really really neat. I live less than a mile from the beach. I, I can stand in my backyard and listen to the surf. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. very cool. And you can't afford that in Southern California. Like, like if we try sure. to go south, there's no way, right? But to be able to come up here and do that, and yeah, I had researched, I had looked at the radio station. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do that when I feel comfortable and settled. And until I quit my uh-huh. fucking job, I didn't feel yeah. comfortable and settled. Right. So that's good. 
Yeah. So that's how that worked out. It, it's worked out great. So what else you got going on, my friend? Oh, not a damn thing. Um, <laughs> seriously, my kitchen's still torn apart. Oh, you know, Jesus. And, uh, you know, still waiting, waiting on parts. And uh, I see you, you know, on Facebook kind of... begging for neighbors. Like, buy that... this house th- three, ho- three, three doors down. Well, it's a great neighborhood. I love it. And, you know, of course, I always get the everybody. Everybody is always like, oh, this is expensive. You know, well, yeah, welcome to fucking Boston. All right. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean, I have friends. I have friends who live in like New York and California and they're they're spending a lot more than that. But I just I don't know. I mean, I like where I live. Um and uh, yeah, but, but we've been kind of just, you know, the summer has just recently started and um don't have any travel plans really. I think we might be going to visit my in-laws in Phoenix, but not in the summer because I've done that. And <laughs> Phoenix in the summer is just awful. Uh, so probably like maybe Christmas or something like that. But yeah, just you know, the job's going well, and uh, um, summer is uh, summer is in full swing. Oh, I actually, you know, it's funny. I had a, a buddy of mine um, who uh, was visiting from out of town a couple weeks ago. We had dinner, and he lives in. What well, used to be your neck of the woods. He actually lives in uh, Napa, so oh, okay. that's sort of, sort of, sort of close to you. And he yeah, was talking yeah. to me about. Um, he has a, a son who is actually with him, and he's fourteen. And he and his son go to. There is a music festival in Napa that yes, happens I think, every year. Uh, was it Bottle Rock? Yes, big one. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Yeah, and they go there every year, and it's like practically in their backyard. And he was telling me about it. And it sounds like a great, good. They get a, usually have a pretty great lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just fun hanging out with him. We, we had dinner in in the city, and uh, he was telling me all about life up in uh, up in Zodiac Killer Country, as I like to call it. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I, I understand there's wine up there too. So I've heard. There's, there's wine. <laughs> it's a thing. I, you know, but yeah, I never got to go to Bottle Rock, but yeah, it's, think of it like Coachella North, right? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the types of, uh, uh, artists and whatnot that they attract. Well, but I think that, I think one of the things about Coachella that is, is maybe kind of worked to their detriment a bit is that it's become this sort of like celebrity thing where like, you know, Beyonce will show up and do a set where, whereas something like Bottle Rock seems like it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more about the music and less about like the sort of like celebrity aspect of it. I don't know if, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yep. Yeah. Sure yeah, does. Cause, yeah. Cause you'll have like, you know, somebody like, I don't know, like Kanye or somebody will like show up at Coachella who probably would never go to Bottle Rock. So no, yeah. you're right, and and it's just one of those things. Uh, like they have something up here in Seattle called like uh, what's it called, bumper shoot or something like that. Is very similar. bumper shoot, yeah, yeah, yeah very I've heard similar of that. to Bottle Rock, right? And uh, mm-hmm. but like you know, I, I've been doing some concert announcements on my radio show, and um, like Craftwork is coming to Seattle um, next week. Yeah, they're touring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A friend of mine saw them here in Boston. That's a, sounds like that'd be a fun show. Yeah. What's left of Stone Temple Pilots will be here as well. July 17th. <laughs> they're and, essentially you know, a tribute band at this point, aren't they? <laughs> Are they though? Uh, and I mentioned, uh, Peter Hook and the light and, you know, gin blossoms was part of a tour with, uh, with bare naked ladies and, and somebody else not that long ago. Indigo uh-huh. girls just did like three shows up here. Um, no kidding. He did a show at the zoo and it was like over $200 a ticket. I'm like, I like Indigo Girls, but I'm not paying $200 a ticket. Kiss my ass. (laughs) Uh, So I can hear them do that one song they were famous for. Um, You know, I kind of like the concept better than I like the music. Um, But uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's definitely interesting to see this resurgence 
of uh, the, the the concert and the, the music festival, as it were, um, you know, circa 19, uh, 2019, as opposed to what we've had the last couple of years. You know, interesting, though, you talk about this, um, you know, uh, I, I guess this sort of ties in the whole uh, Stranger Things con- conversation, as well as sort of like old older music coming back. This whole thing with Kate Bush has been kind of an interesting thing to witness, especially the attitudes. Well, you saw the thing that I posted about the the whole gatekeeper thing where people are just complaining. Oh, well, you have to, you know, you have to have a TV show to show you how to, you know, it's like, just let them enjoy it. You know what I mean? Gives a shit. We talked about this before. Remember, we talked about all the different ways to get into jazz. Yeah. right. Right. Remember that conversation? It's look, first of all, Kate Bush is laughing all the way to the damn bank right now. Yeah. Um, she's a recluse and all of it. And she thinks this is freaking phenomenal. And oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, she's I ended, a fan of the show, I think. Yeah. I ended one of my shows recently with that song. I'm like, who am I to stand in the way of pop culture? Yeah. I mean, like, you give the people what they want. And that song, it's kind of funny um, because it was supposed to be called A Deal with God. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah. You might piss some people off. Let's go. Let's go with running up that hill. And she changed the name of the song, like the official, like they put the deal with God. Yeah, deal with God is in parentheses. Right, right, right. And uh, but it's like, you know what? We've we, I haven't forgot about Kate Bush because I have Sirius XM in the car. So so you know they play it all the time on on First Wave and these these other stations. But you know. Who are you to say how people get into different whatevers? It's like the Star Wars crowd, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, fuck off. Yeah. Right. However people get into something, they get into it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that it's great that there's a new generation out there who's, yeah. you know, because a lot of it is not necessarily people complaining about how somebody gets into the music, but also they're like, they feel entitled to the music. Like, oh, this is my music. This is what I grew up with. You don't deserve this. Well, fuck it. I mean, I think there's enough to go around, you know? I mean, just, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's very, uh, you know, very snooty and very uh, entitled. A hundred percent. I'm going to play, I'm, you know, I've got my playlist and, and show all planned out for tomorrow night. I'm going to play Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles, which is from Less Than Zero. I mean, right. how many people don't realize, first of all, that's a cover. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, it's like Talk Talks, It's My Life. Everybody thinks that's a Gwen Stefani song. No, it's Talk Talk. So, yeah. you know, it, however you get somewhere is how you get there. Um you know, my buddy John Paul in in Rochester always says, you know, quit worrying about what time the dance started. Right. Right. You, you got there. So, because I always have, why do I always feel like I'm late to the dance? Don't worry about time, because you're worried about what time it started. And yeah. just, you know, and, and the thing is, that's, I think that's a beautiful thing about music. I mean, let's go, and I joked about Rachmaninoff, but the fact of the matter is I can put Rachmaninoff on my turntable right now if I wanted to. Right? When was the last right. time they recorded anything or, or wrote right. anything? Or, right? Music is, great music's timeless. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, <laughs> all these listicles. It's like, why, why didn't like Blind Melon have more hits? Because the lead singer killed himself. <laughs> are you kidding me or can you be more tone deaf with this stuff yeah uh, i'm like you know there's a reason why they're a one-hit wonder they only had one album 
Right. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, and as much as I, I love that song and, you know, but poor Shannon Hoon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it just, I don't know. I love doing a music show again and I'm going to have fun doing sports talk again. I'm already starting to line up guests. That was the difference, right? When, uh, when me, Pat and, uh, Captain Raymond, who we called Sid used to do sports talk in Iceland. You know, we relied on Pat to get us that once a month guest. I didn't know anybody. Now I have connections. Now I have people I've, I've, you know, gotten to know and and befriend over the last 20 years or whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I'm reaching out to them and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. So yeah, it's, it's freaking wonderful. Um, our station manager just did an interview with a musician in Russia. It was freaking phenomenal um, wow. that he was able to get this guy on the phone. The guy's kind of trapped over there because of the Ukraine war and everything. I, I mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, I can't tell you who it was. But the fact that he did it, right, um, was was pretty cool. And that is cool. Uh, Yeah. So um, I had my friend Doug Anderson on uh, out of Kansas City. And, you know, he's a, he's a part-time DJ there in Kansas City. And we were talking about our love for radio and and, uh, you know, I know you and I talk about it a lot, too. Um, just being back on terrestrial radio is just, I can't. I'm over the moon about it. I really am. Yeah, that's great. Yep. So, Chris, anything you want to add before we close this episode of the Get the Knack podcast? Uh, no. Uh, read read more books. Uh, <laughs> listen listen to more music and um and uh you know stephen king stephen king stephen king um <laughs> just trying to get that just trying to get that algorithm yeah. to cooperate right um gotta get but that plug uh, in. no no it's been it's been it's been great and, and like i said i'm kind of glad that summer's here it's 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 a you know got a bit of a different feel to the the days of the week now with my son not being in school and there's a little bit less pressure in the ho- in the house but sure. uh, yeah, no, it's it's always uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk about what's new and uh, and all that stuff. It's always good to like add stuff to my uh, to my watch list and my reading list. Yeah, uh, that, we you, both so. we both do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's um, thing about it is you know I used to rail against pop culture a long time ago. Like you know mm-hmm. I, I envisioned myself this nonconformist and. You know, I still think of myself as as very much beaten a beatnik, but bottom line is pop culture just drives everything. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you saw the little pat on the back that Rudy Giuliani got, and he lost his damn mind over it. Yeah, yes, I did see that. <laughs> That's like, beautiful. When did Rudy become a pussy? That's what I want to know. What mm-hmm. the hell was that? We we're laughing about it here in the house as if it was a soccer flop. <laughs> and uh yeah so i mean we could we could talk a blue streak i mean a couple seasons ago here on the get, get the knack podcast we talked politics like you know our lives dependent on it and i think we both resolved that we can't do that anymore and you know we we could have spent the entire hour and a half talking about the supreme court and everything they've done in the past week or two and yeah. how backwards the state of florida is and state of texas and everything else and you know i i'd rather just I don't know. I'd rather talk entertainment. I really would. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. You know, and I, you know, the funny thing is being a personality again, I don't care if I'm getting paid or not. is just cathartic to me. It's really weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you're at a festival, you're playing music, people are walking by, they're dancing to what you're playing, and they're waving at you. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and it's it's fun doing it again. And, yeah, money would be nice. But, hey, you know, I'm on the air, and I'm not in the air. I'm on the air. I was going to say, are, are you in the air or are you on the air? <laughs> that, joke's got, that joke's got legs. Uh, it sure does. Freaking 28 years later, it sure does. It never gets old, and there's another part of that joke we won't get into right now. But, you know. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yes, you do. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast, the 30th of season five, believe it or not. And for my good friend and my old Navy buddy, he writes for popmatters.com. You want to know what's going on in music? You want to know what's happening? Uh, he's forgotten more about music than I'll ever know. He is Chris Ingalls. I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>